Preferred Walk-Ons, Mizzou's most insightful sports talk from your favorite bench warmers, is now available to listen anytime, anywhere. After every Friday's show with Ben Krakow, Chase Phillips, and Garrett Jones, we post a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor Podcast app, and anywhere else you get podcasts. We're also on Twitter, at KCOU Walk-Ons. End your week with Preferred Walk-Ons, a part of KCOU Sports, and now streaming. Welcome in to the Preferred Walk-Ons here on KCOU 88.1 FM, KCOU.FM, the Blue Box, Ben Krakow, Garrett Jones, and Chase Phillips. Chase Phillips is feeling the song right now. This does like this song. On Friday afternoon, the second to final show, isn't there a word for that? Penultimate. Penultimate, there we go, of the semester of the Preferred Walk-Ons, as we have a lot to get to in... Our second to last show of the semester. Not a ton of Mizzou news this time of year. We'll talk a little bit of Mizzou baseball in a little bit and uh, preview the broadcast at Knoxville, or in Knoxville, I should say, this weekend, live on KCOU. So we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll also talk some NBA and NHL playoffs. And Garrett has prepared a special, special game for us this week in honor of the Kentucky Derby being tomorrow. I'm so excited to see how y'all We are going it. to play a game where we, Chase and I, will try to decide whether each name is a past Kentucky Derby winner or is it an award-winning film an name? An Academy Award-winning film. And I can pretty confidently say Chase and I are not very proficient in either of these categories. <laughs> right, Chase? I mean, I'm, pretty good, with, I'm pretty good with movies. Now, Kentucky Derby winners, I, I, I don't know. I know Secretariat wants them. But now, see that is was that an Academy Award winning film? Oh, that's a good and one. and a, a horse that won. Well, that was not included in either one. Well, so gosh darn it, Gary! I, I can honestly say of any of the Academy Award winning films one job. that I included, I did not I did not include a film I had ever actually I take the back. There was one film that I had ever seen. I was going I was going a little too hard to that song to start with. My yeah. Apple Watch told me to calm down and breathe. <laughs> All right, well, we'll we'll get to that game a little bit later. And Chase also made some special picks this week on the Kentucky Derby, so he'll give us his insight on who he thinks might win, even though I don't think any of us really know. It's a complete guess, Ben. I'm playing the odds, my man. Playing the odds. So we'll get into the Kentucky Derby a little bit later. But we will start with the playoffs, as we've discussed the last several weeks. The playoffs continue to move along at a slow rate. I think the NBA is especially slow rate. The Warriors and Rockets played game three, I believe, on Tuesday night. Is that right? Yes. And now they are taking Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off before they play game six on Saturday because NBA players naturally need three days off between each game just so that they can get the prime time on TV on Saturday night. I, I don't know. I think that's ridiculous, but that's how the NBA does it, and that's why the NBA playoffs go all the way till mid-June. But... Nonetheless, the Warriors are up to nothing on the Rockets right now. Headed back for Game Three, a lot of controversy after Game One. The War- the Rockets not happy with the officiating. Chris Paul gets thrown out of the game. Then Game Two, the Rockets can't stop turning the ball over. James Harden gets poked in the eye, and his eye is still like super red. If you see any of the pictures, and for any thoughts that this might be a close series, it doesn't look like it. Mm-mm. No, like you said, Ben, the Warriors have really dominated this series. Go ahead and go ahead and starting, you know, the first two games. You know, 
I honestly thought the Rockets, you know, may take one at Oracle, may even take game one at Oracle. And between Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, the Warriors are really, really hard to stop. And the Rockets right now just aren't scoring. And that's that's been their big issue. That's what they they really rely on is scoring and being able to knock down threes. And that's two things they've really struggled with this series so far. And so much has been made about the officiating in this series. But I think at a certain point, you have to realize that, okay, officiating can only make so much of an impact on a game. The Rockets are still getting outplayed significantly in every single game so far of this series. The, the, the officials aren't letting the Warriors go on 16-2 to no, runs every no. single game. You know, I, I just think that's the easiest way to put it. You can blame officials for anything in sports almost at this point. You know, the, the, the other night, you know, with the Blues game, you know, it looked like Ryan O'Reilly might have scored, but, like, it, that doesn't help that the Blues were down 4-1 to one already. You know, you can blame the you can blame officials for almost anything. But at the same point, if you're losing by 20 points, then I don't really know how you can blame officials for that. Yeah, and it's clear the Warriors are the better team of the two. Right. And you can see that the Warriors, even with that just five-man unit, even without you know Boogie Cousins anymore, with with Steph and Clay and KD and Draymond and, and Andre Iguodala, they are still looking like clearly the most dominant team in basketball right now. And I think you know, we've as good as Steph and Clay and all those guys are. You gain appreciation for just how good of a player Kevin Durant is. I know there was a lot of criticism at the time of him going to Golden State and, and joining a super team to try to win a championship, but. You know, you think you'd have to think if he leaves after this season and goes to New York or goes to another team somewhere else, you know, not that the Warriors won't be good anymore, but they're going to lose a huge piece off a team, off that team. He's not just an extra piece. He is their, I think he's their best player. You could make an argument that Kevin Durant has been the best overall offensive player in the NBA for the past 10 years. Really, he he stands out on his own with how he plays. And it's interesting to see how he's playing right now in the playoffs, considering what looms, which is in his impending free agency. So much is being made of him possibly leaving and packing up for New York. And I think that'll be huge on how Durant plays in these final three rounds of the playoffs, right? I think this is a bit of an audition to see, okay, is he the kind of player who can lead a team by himself or is he the kind of player that needs to stay in this niche with the Warriors? I think honestly, he would be mistaken to, jump ship from Golden State and try to go on his own. I don't think there's a better situation for him. A lot of people really criticize that move, obviously, has been mentioned, but I do think still it's the best move for Duran as an individual. Well, and, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, KD to me is a quiet scorer. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just seems like he makes it look so easy that it's just like, oh, well, Kevin Durant makes a shot. That gives him 21 in the first quarter, and you're just like, wait, he has 21 points? Like, he just makes it seem so easy that it's just quiet whenever he scores because he doesn't take bad shots. That's the thing with Kevin Durant. He doesn't take bad shots because mainly a 6'11 small forward, he's always open. No matter what the circumstance is, he's always open to shoot something. Well, and he's not super flashy. It's not the end of the Steph exactly. Curry threes or the, the LeBron dunks. So, yeah, you maybe don't notice it as much. I mean, there has been some talk that, you know, he— once he won a championship, it was not, I think he always thought that was all that he ever wanted and all he hoped for and that, you know, it wasn't as satisfying in, to him in a way as he thought it would be. And so maybe now that he's won a few, if he, especially if he wins another one this year, he'll be more likely to you know move on and not maybe not be as focused on winning a, a championship with another organization. So I don't know, but, you know, it's certainly something that's going to be interesting to monitor. And then when you look around the, the rest of the NBA, you know, Portland and Denver are playing a series right now, but it... It, it kind of feels pointless, to be honest. Whoever whoever comes out of the Golden State Rockets series is is going to the finals, and right? It's probably I mean, be I mean State, you but. can make an argument that if those other two teams played Houston, they might have a chance, but they're not going to be Golden State. You know, Boston and Milwaukee is interesting one, just because 
you know, I think a lot of people expected Milwaukee to win that series going in. Boston wins game one pretty easily. And the talk comes again, you know, Milwaukee can't beat Boston. Then Milwaukee obviously got it together in game two and beat Boston easily. So now that series shifts to Boston. They play tonight, don't they, correct? I believe they do play tonight. I believe, uh, that sounds I, right. I believe they play tonight, and then uh, Portland and Denver will play tonight as well. Yeah, I think I think that's right then. Yeah, I, I think that's just sort of interesting to me in a way because, you know, I still think Milwaukee probably wins, but you know, Boston clearly has at least somewhat of an advantage against them. Um, and I think Boston's advantage is that they have someone who can slow down. I don't really know if you can stop Giannis Antetokounmpo, but they have – Multiple guys who can at least slow him down for for parts of the game between you know Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown. They've just got people who can slow him down, and I think that's why they're effective. And also, those three guys aren't their key contributors. You know, I think if LeBron was still in the Cavaliers and they were having to play the Bucks, I think the Bucks would win because LeBron's having to guard Giannis every single time down the court, and that is just going to wear on LeBron. Whereas Kyrie Irving is just chilling off guarding Eric Bledsoe or something. We really didn't have to you know, give much effort on defense and he can go score, you know, 30 points a night like he does. Yeah. My question when you look at Boston and Milwaukee is Milwaukee's a great team, undoubtedly with the regular season that they put together. The talent is clearly off the charts, but I wonder kind of that unempirical question, is it their time yet? You know what I mean? Like we've seen teams like Boston routinely get bounced, even though they really set the foundation, multiple playoff appearances in a row. Even then we saw them exit the playoff earlier, exit the playoffs earlier than they would have hoped uh, early on in that streak, now we're starting to see them get deeper and deeper into the postseason. I wonder if Milwaukee needs that kind of early lack of success to put them over the top and eventually establish themselves as kings in the East. Yeah, I mean, you can say that, but I think that's what a lot of people thought for a long time with Oklahoma City. And yeah. they made that one finals with, with their three guys, and they trade Harden, and then Durant leaves, and now they're a long way from that. Obviously, the rise of Golden State also happened, but... You know, I think it's easy to say, well, maybe it'll be next year, but you know, in a in a year where the East seems pretty open, you have to think this is a but shot for Milwaukee to take advantage of, you know, a I don't know if necessarily a weaker East this year, but you know, a pretty wide open East with no clear favorite. If you're gonna pick a favorite, it probably would have been Milwaukee to start the playoffs. And then when you look at at, at Toronto and Philadelphia, it, it seems like it's the same thing every year with Toronto. It's like you want to believe in them, but then there comes this time, and it's often in like the second round where it just falls apart. And I know they have Kawhi Leonard now, but it just seems like, man, every year this happens over and over again. It's got to be deja vu for Raptors fans watching this happen again. Well, and like you said, Ben, they just seem to like fall apart. Like game one, they look so good. Like Kawhi had like 40, and it's like, wow, how how is Philadelphia going to slow them down? And Philadelphia just... I mean, just shows up and just out clearly outplays Toronto for two games straight. I, I just, I'm with you, Ben. It just, it does feel like deja vu. And it's like, oh, second round in the Raptors. Here we go again. And just like you said, you know, last night they got beat by 20 something points. You know, Ben Simmons, I believe, had a technical foul last night and they were up like 15 points or something like that. I just wonder with Toronto, what is going to be the move that gets them over the top? We've seen this team shed off its barrel, shed off its main talent in the heart and soul, really, for almost a decade in DeMar DeRozan last year in favor of Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi Leonard isn't what gets this team past the second round, if firing reigning coach of the year Dwayne Casey isn't what gets this team past the second round, what will be? Right. It's not like they haven't changed. They did exactly. change. Right. And so at some of that is just... Well, I know chances, luck, whatever, but yeah, it's not like they haven't made changes. Well, you, yeah. you think about think about this season. 
they acquire Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard before the season starts. As you mentioned, the head coaching change. Pascal Siakam has been arguably a top 10 player in the league for the whole entire year. And even in the playoffs, he's averaging like 25 points a game. That came out of nowhere. And you get Marcus Salt at the deadline. Like, right. And they added Danny Green. And Danny Kawhi Green. I, I don't, it doesn't make, I'm with you, but it doesn't make sense on how you just can't play basketball when you have that much talent. And, you know, I talked about this at the deadline. I didn't like the Marcus Gasol move personally because I love Jonas Valanciunas for his defense and rebounding. And Gasol is more of an offensive-minded center, but at the same point, you know, I, th- I think they're going to have a hard time. You know, I think Valanciunas have a much better time guarding Embiid than, you know, you would say Marcus Gasol would. Well, and how about, you know, to, for Philadelphia, to the addition of Jimmy Butler, a lot of people are like, well, I don't know how that's going to work. Is it too many personalities? What's that going to be like? But Jimmy Butler's been their best player. Um, and Tobias in, Harris has also in been the good playoffs. For them. Yeah, and Embiid, when he is fully healthy and engaged, is a real dominant player, too. And you add in, of course, Ben Simmons and, you know, JJ Redick and uh, even Boban. I mean, they, they've got a lot of pieces there that, you know, look bright not only for this year, but for the future. And I'm not saying, you know, they would win a championship or anything, but you can legitimately see Philadelphia coming out of the East, I think. And, and I could see them giving Golden State at least a series. You know, I'm not saying that they're going to win, but I could see them push it to six. You know, it wouldn't surprise me yeah, at all. Yeah, I mean, Embiid against Golden State would be awfully interesting, especially with Cousins out now. Well, and Bokit's a good defender when he's down on the post. He's not real comfortable when he has to be, you know, be stretched out, and that's turning more into Embiid's game is stretching people out, using his size and quickness to get around everybody. Yeah, I think it, it would be an interesting matchup there, and it would be something a little bit different that what Golden State's used to seeing. Not that they couldn't adjust to it, but uh, I think that would that might be the most. I mean, you can make an argument for Milwaukee too, but in terms of you know most intriguing potential finals matchups, I think that one would be right up there with you know one that would at least keep people interested because that's always kind of the debate this year. In the I mean, I saw something you know just interesting that I believe there's been 51 NBA. Playoff games so far this year, zero have gone to overtime. Um, I mean, you know, overtime obviously in the NBA is harder to achieve than the NHL, but at the same time, you would think that with the quality of the teams in the playoffs, that one or two would at least make it there. And that's just not happened. There have not been that many, you know, really good games um, in this NBA playoffs, at least so far. So we'll see if that changes. I will get into the NHL playoffs when we come back. You're listening to the Preferred Walk Ons here on KCOU. <laughs> KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. KCOU would like to thank One to One Print Shop for their support. One to One outfitted our entire staff with custom performance polos and t-shirts, and they can do the same for your business or organization. To learn more, visit them at 1610 Paris Road or go to their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. Thank you, One to One, for supporting KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. ACOU would like to thank Cafe Berlin for their support. Check out Cafe Berlin's delicious and diverse brunch menu at cafeberlincomo.com. 
Looking for a fun night out in Colombia? Check out Cafe Berlin's live music calendar on their website as well. Thank you, Cafe Berlin, for your continued support of KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. Every Saturday, Cut the Nets will be live from noon to one on KCOU 88.1 FM. Auto quarters of possibility. Jabari Parker's even. Oh, you don't want Jabari Parker. Tune in to KCOU Sports Saturday to listen to David Kuntz, Zach Berman, and Chuck Ryan talk sports. Fun fact of the day, number two, Robert Kraft actually owns like 99% of the city of Foxborough. Catch Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM. Do people care about Evan? I mean, why would the Magic want Evan Turner? Tune in to Comfy and Nautica for good vibes. Start your day Wednesdays from 10 to noon here on KCOU. Baseball presented by B&B Bagel Company is back this coming weekend on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. The Tigers look to climb in the SEC standings as they head to Tennessee and play a three-game set. First pitch on Friday night tonight is at 5.30. Tiger first pitch at 5 immediately following our show. Saturday, tomorrow the game is at 11, and on Sunday the game is at 1. KCOU Sports is the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Welcome back into the preferred walk-ons here on KCOU 88.1 FM, KCOU.FM, the blue box. We'll get into Mizzou baseball a little bit later. As we mentioned, the pregame show Tiger First Pitch presented by B&B Bagel is right after this. So make sure to stay tuned as it's an early start in the Eastern time of Knoxville tonight. And we're going to get into the NHL playoffs before we talk Mizzou baseball as we just talked about the NBA playoffs. And... The NHL playoffs has been unpredictable, kind of crazy. But really, really good. Really, 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 really good if you're just a general over and overall NHL fan, I would guess I would say. Yep. Um, it's it's for some, not for everybody, but if you like excitement, if you like, you know, just kind of randomness happening, I guess you could say, in a way, you've kind of gotten that. And uh, I'm still disappointed we haven't had any three overtime games yet. Um, couple two overtime couple games. Couple two overtime games. We haven't had one where it's like two in the morning and you're like, I'm still awake. Is this ever going to end? May, may or may not happen this year. But we do have three series all tied at two with one exception, Carolina. And <laughs> they're... <laughs> How is that even happening? They're, they're up three nothing on the Islanders with their journeyman backup goalie Curtis McElhaney playing right now. <laughs> and they just uh... keep winning. And... They, the Islanders swept Pittsburgh and now can't beat Carolina, and Carolina's got a chance to move on to the Eastern Conference Final tonight. And before we get into the other three series, it's just an incredible story for a team that, you know, I think has a lot of solid players, but if you ask most even average hockey fans, can you name one player on the Carolina Hurricanes, you wouldn't be able to answer it. And they've had so many injuries, even in the playoffs. They have had five or six guys go down. Their goalie gets hurt. 
and they just keep continuing to win. And every time you want to count them out, it looked like they were not going to win that Washington series. They, they did. And, you know, it's, it, it, I don't know how to explain it. Like it, it just, it, it's one of those things. And it's like, it's, it's the playoffs. It's That's momen- exa- I mean, if you want to make an argument, that momentum is real. They are the perfect example. Yeah. It's, it's one of those games, like you said, Ben, where it's just, they have all the momentum and, and there's nothing right now that the Islanders can do to stop the momentum. And like you said, it's really just crazy to see them just come out of nowhere. And, you know, I, I really, this is something I really like. They have a, they have adapted because if you remember in the first round, Washington said, well, all, all Carolina is just a bunch of jerks. And they have just ran with that. And they just keep saying, yeah, we're just a bunch. Well, it, it started at the Hockey Night in Canada. Right. Yeah. We're just a bunch of jerks that play hockey. And they have accepted that and they have just rolled with it. And that's what they are. They're just a bunch of jerks out there playing hockey, having a good time. The atmosphere in Carolina is absolutely insane i mean like you said there and i've been to watch a game i think i think i was looking at ticket prices today just curious for an islanders uh hurricanes game four tonight and it was like 290 bucks to sit in the last row of the stadium and it came at the perfect time too with so much unrest over the past couple of years regarding ownership whether the team was going to move move back to hartford where it came from in the 90s was the joke there for a while but when you look at carolina right Nobody, I don't think anybody in their right mind would have pegged them to go on this kind of a Cinderella run coming into the playoffs. When you look at the balance of the roster, aside from what Ben mentioned in goal, the fact that journeymen are leading them in net, it kind of makes sense because it's 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 the perfect combination of youth and just chippy, salty veterans. Justin Williams, the first one that comes to mind, the team captain. Falk as well for them, but they've got just a wonderful balance of Dougie Hamilton, Slavin as well in the defense that just works perfectly. And it makes a lot of sense why this team has succeeded with this model in the NHL playoffs. That being said, nobody in the right mind would have seen it come. No, and it's certainly the bracket falling apart a little bit has helped them. But, yeah, I mean, you look at young players like Aho and, and Svechnikov and Fogel, you know, they're not necessarily names that routine hockey pl- fans know, but they are very good players, and they stick to their style of game. And when you play that style and you can kind of keep it up, and it's, you know, they're, they're rarely in any game where they're up for nothing, but they, they, they stay in the game and they get goals at key times and their goalies have made key saves at key times. You know, it's, it's, it can be a winning strategy and it's, it's awfully impressive to watch. And, you know, I, I do think that, you know, they're just, they're, the belief there is so high right now. I, I think that they really believe in themselves. Their fans believe in them. And once it starts to get rolling, it can continue to roll. And we've seen this before in the NHL. You know, I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but at times when you just get on this roll and, you know, your team's hot and it's hot at the right time, you can run with it a long way. And in addition, you know, it, I don't know if this really means anything or not, but in the past when the Hurricanes have been in the playoffs, which is rare, they do really well. <laughs> They've been to a couple Eastern Conference Finals, a couple Stanley Cup Finals. They won the Stanley Cup back in 2006. Um, seemingly, when they, whenever they make it, which, of course, is not all that often, they have a lot of success in the playoffs for whatever reason. So, yeah, it's been a great story, and it's fun to watch. Well, didn't they have a trade with with – I know they had a trade with Minnesota to get – they got Nino Niederreiter, and they got – was it Stahl? They got Eric Stahl, too. Well, they used to have Eric Stahl. They used to have Eric They traded They traded Eric, Eric Stahl to the Rangers a few years That's ago. That's right. They have Jordan Stahl now. Jordan Stahl, okay, yeah. yep. Um, he came over, I think, from Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. But, yeah, they, they made a big trade last offseason with Calgary because their coach, actually, Bill Peters, had left to go to Calgary. So – 
Peters wanted some of those same players from Carolina on his team, so they worked out a deal. But they have drafted really well, and they have developed players really well. And you know, their first-year coach and Rod Brendamore, their former captain, when they won the Stanley Cup, and and yeah, you know, I I think they're just a a really solid young team. And I am surprised at how much the Islanders have struggled in this series, just because of how well they played in that first series. But I do wonder a bit of you know they swept Pittsburgh so quickly and then had to sit around for a long time. And I do wonder if that has affected them in a bit, you know, when you have that long layoff compared to Carolina who played a seven game series, oftentimes people say, Oh, well you want your future opponent to play seven games. So they'll tire out, but sometimes they can keep that momentum compared to, you know, if you're sitting out for a long time, then you're you know going to struggle a little bit more trying to get back into the, the flow of things. And then the other three series are all two to two uh, Columbus and Boston has sort of been wild so far and a lot of close games and, Big saves by both goalies and then extracurricular it, activities. Yeah. And then Dallas and St. Louis and uh, San Jose and Denver, say Colorado, should say Colorado plays in Denver, uh, have followed the same paths. The home teams are one and one each so far. The both the Sharks and the Blues won game one, then the Stars and the Avalanche won game two. And then it, same thing as game one and game three, and same thing in game two as game four. So right now, those series kind of feel like toss-ups. And, you know, I think there's sort of a belief that one game isn't necessarily tied to the other a lot of times in the NHL playoffs. You know, we were having that momentum discussion a few minutes ago. But I think that in these series so far, that's proven to be true, that one game is not directly tied to each other and that the team that loses the previous game has seemingly come out with a lot of fire behind them in the next game, you know, the back against the wall, if you want to call it that, even though they haven't been facing elimination yet, has proven true so far. And I think you could reasonably make the case that all three of these series will go seven games. Yeah, you just look at one that's very close, near and dear to the preferred walk-ons hearts, and that's Dallas and St. Louis. we got two Stars fans in the room right now and a diehard Blues fan, uh, Chase Phillips. No, so we've, we've made a pact off the air not to... No, not to be not no, for there to be no animosity between. It's been between a, it's this, been a very it's civil been very series. Clean, very, very civil. civil. And, yep. and shout out to Ben and I's roommate Ryan as well. He's been very civil as well. Um, but I digress. You know, you look at this series, and it's been a different story for every team in a different in every single game through the four. It's tied two mm-hmm. two. Look at game one, Dallas unremarkable St. Louis led wire to wire to come back game two. Dallas plays extremely well, strong first period. They do the same thing in game four, get out and get out and running. They take a lead after one game three. On the other hand, Dallas was seemingly playing catch up the entire time. Even though they had a lead in that game, still St. Louis doing what it does well, playing feisty. And then game four, the the script flips. I can't see this game ending other way any other way than a seventh game. Well, and you can say the same thing about Colorado and San Jose too, yeah. right? San Jose dominates game one. Colorado wins a close game in game two. Then San Jose dominates game three. And then Colorado dominates game four. You know, it really has been in each of these two series. One game doesn't reflect what's coming the next game. Well, and, and I think too, with the Dallas and St. Louis series, especially, I think they've each had a game where they should have won and lost. And they've each had a game where they clearly should have won and barely won. Yeah, I, I truly think, correct me if I'm wrong with you two, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of game one. I got to watch some of it. I, I thought game one, Dallas really outplayed St. Louis. I, I thought Dallas looked really, really good. And then St. Louis just had a couple of good opportunities with Vladimir Tarasenko to win that game. And in game two, I really thought St. Louis actually outplayed Dallas. I thought Dallas had some you know really good play from Miro Haskinen and you know others in company that just had some really good breakaways and goals. But then you look at game three and game four. 
Now, St. Louis really deserved to win that game. As you said, Dallas was behind the whole game. Game four, Dallas deserved to win the game. St. Louis is behind that whole entire game and trailing. Like you said, it's just been an even series. Like you said, I think it's going seven games no matter what. You know, I... If the Stars win tonight, I think the Blues will come out and win game six. If the Blues win tonight, I think the Stars will come out and win game I mean, I just think it's going to be – I think these are two of the best teams left, and I think that they're showing why they are two of the best teams left. Blues yeah, fans have to like the possibility of game seven as well with the home ice advantage. Well, I mean, we don't dislike it, Garrett, <laughs> to, say, to say that. Yeah, but <laughs> it is worth but, noting. But so far, I mean, we saw Carolina win game seven in Washington, uh, you know, how much has home ice really mattered in a lot of these series? I would say true too. not that much, uh, at least so far. I think just the environment and having the fans around you, I think that just completely changes everything. You know what I mean? Like Dallas, when they were ahead 3-1 to one, uh, in game two, it, it almost felt like the Blues could come back at any point because just the fans just, just believed that they could. And, you know, like Jordan Bennington, I believe, you know, through two shutout periods after his debacle in the first. But, I mean, other than that, you know, like you said, the goaltending has been great. You know, you look at these scores and you're like, oh, you see a lot of three and four goal like, these are some really good opportunities these people are putting away. Like, right, Serbia so Bobrovsky had four goals last night, but still had a really good performance. And, and it's like, you know, the other night, you know, or, uh, excuse me, game three, Ben Bishop gave up four goals. I thought Ben Bishop played really, really well and didn't deserve to give up four goals. You know, it's just one of those things. I thought, you know, Jordan Bennington, honestly, the other night in game four, played arguably pretty well and still gave up four goals. Well, and also, too, you know, A, they're not always the goalie's fault, plus B, in the playoffs, I think there's a perception that, the goalie needs to stop everything and the goalie's just not going to stop everything, right? There are going to be ones that they miss or get deflected or they're screened off and it, they go in the net and, you know, you hope your goalie, you know, isn't just letting in goals one after another, but the idea that your goalie is going to allow none or one every game is just unrealistic. Uh, I, there, there's just no way, you know what I mean? And also with this too, the players in the playoffs are, it's a whole lot different than some of the people you're playing in the regular season. These are high elite level guys. You know, when the stars can roll out, you know, Ben and Sagan and Radulov and Haskinen and Klingberg, I mean, those are five guys that are probably all, you know, probably all stars, probably, you know, the top, you know, 10 people. Every one of them has been an all-star in their career. You know, and, and like, that's, you, you get shots like that. Those are just really, really hard to stop on a consistent basis. Right, even though the bracket's broken down a little bit, all these teams left have really good players. And, Correct. And th that's going to be the case if you're going to make it to the to final eight, and especially to the final four. And real quickly, going back to the goalies, this has been one of, it's from a storyline perspective, this has been one of the most intriguing goalie matchups in a playoff series that I can ever remember. you got the hotshot goalie for St. Louis, Jordan Bennington, rookie star, played great, nominated for the Calder Trophy going to the rookie of the year against St. Louis native and former blue Ben Bishop, former Vesna Trophy winning goalie himself, eventually traded from Los Angeles to Dallas in 2017 where he's had the reins fan favorite in Dallas. It's been a really, really interesting matchup to see those two and they actually got into it as they were going off the ice at the second intermission in game four. And, and that's just that's just the chippiness in the series. These are it's been chippy. Two two teams that really want to win. And I, I truly this is the way I believe it. Whoever comes out of the series is probably going to the finals. That's just my opinion. I think San Jose is very good, but I think these two teams are the two of the best teams left. Yeah, I think I think you in every case you can make a case for all four teams in each conference to Correct. make it out. Um, it's certainly going to be intriguing to watch over the next few weeks into next month or so to see how it all plays out. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of Mizzou baseball, and then we will play Garrett's Kentucky Derby game as we get ready for the Kentucky Derby this weekend. This is the Preferred Walk-Ons here on KCOU. Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. 
tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. From noon till 1 every sports Saturday, tune in to Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM with host Chuck Ryan. I think he's really changing how the game is played from the safety position. He basically played linebacker too. And Zach Berman. Teams and the Warriors are just sort of sitting there like... Hello. As they talk sports, along with producer David Kuntz. Jets hired Adam Gase. Like, they're not going to get better. For NBA. This is leading up to the Knicks going on a free agent binge this summer. Yeah, and then they're going to end up signing, like, Tobias Harris. NFL. The most bland, like, milk toast football that there is. Hey, they win. And Mizzou commentary. If Mizzou doesn't win, uh, it's tank mode. That doesn't work in the NCAA. What do you tank for? Check out Cut the Nets, part of KCOU Sports Saturday, every Saturday from noon to one. Always shoot your shot. Every Saturday, Cut the Nets will be live from noon to one on KCOU 88.1 FM. Auto quarters of possibility. Jabari Parker's even. Oh, you don't want Jabari Parker. Tune in to KCOU Sports Saturday to listen to David Kuntz, Zach Berman, and Chuck Ryan talk sports. Fun fact of the day, number two. Robert Kraft actually owns like 99% of the city of Foxborough. Catch Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM. Do people care about Evan? I mean, why would the Magic want Evan Turner? KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. Whether it be t-shirts for your charity event or jerseys for your intramural team, one-to-one print shop can handle your custom apparel needs. If you need inspiration crafting a design, you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at one-to-one print shop to check out some of their latest work. You can also visit their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. Whether it be t-shirts for your charity event or jerseys for your intramural team, let one-to-one print shop handle your custom apparel needs. Need some inspiration in crafting a logo or design? Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at one-to-one print shop and check out some of their latest work. Or check out their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. One-to-one print shop is the place to get custom apparel in Columbia. Back into the preferred walk-ons here on KCOU 88.1 FM, KCOU.FM, the Blue Box. Ben Krakow, Chase Phillips, and Garrett Jones with you as we head towards our final segment of the day. Just a reminder, Tiger First Pitch presented by BNB Bagel is coming up in just a little bit, about 25 minutes from now as they get you set 
for Mizzou and Tennessee live from Knoxville this entire week in Mizzou baseball. Joey Miller, Cole Tusing, and Kyle Jones are out in Knoxville. First pitch of the actual game tonight is at 5.30, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, and then Sunday at 1 o'clock. So our one baseball road series for the year. And then Mizzou will be on the road once again next weekend back in Tennessee. They'll be in Nashville next weekend taking on Vanderbilt. And then one final home series. You can hear that on KCOU in a couple weeks against Florida before they head to Hoover and the SEC tournament and then potentially the NCAA tournament after that. And Mizzou has set themselves up in pretty good position after a sweep at home last weekend to South Carolina. They head to Knoxville this weekend to play an improved uh, Tennessee team, a team that's actually fairly close to them in the standings. And that's kind of the interesting part of these last three weekends is that they're going to play two teams that are close to them in Florida and Tennessee and then a team that's right near the top of the conference and the top of the SEC East in Vanderbilt. Mizzou right now sitting at 10, 10 and one Florida and Tennessee are both at nine and 12 in conference play. Vanderbilt's up at 15 and six. But the interesting part is that the NCAA has put a big, uh, I don't know what we'd say. The, the, the tournament committee has put a big emphasis, I guess you could call it on making the, NCAA tournament by having at least a 500 conference record. And of course, Mizzou right now at 10, 10 and one is exactly 500. (laughs) Um, But these series are crucial for not only Mizzou, but Tennessee and Florida as well. And you want to go into the SEC tournament if possible, not having to guarantee yourself winning a game or two to get in. So, you know, Mizzou, you look over these last nine games, you know, you're roughly looking at, you know, five and four, four and five if possible. And that's what makes this weekend even bigger considering that, you know, you're probably lucky to come out of Nashville with one win next weekend. You want to win Tennessee and Florida. You want to win those series. You got to find a way to win both those series and you got to hope you can steal one against Vanderbilt. That that's, that's, if you're Mizzou, that is your prayer is that you win, you win the Florida series, you win this Tennessee series this weekend, and then you just have to steal one in Vandy. That is that is your dream right there. Or and if you can't steal one in Vandy, you've, I think they really got to win Florida and Tennessee. That's just me personally. Yeah, we were talking on air. Five out of nine would probably be the magic mm-hmm. number there if, if Coach Beezer and company could walk out and already know, hey, you're going to take five out of nine of these next f- nine games, these three crucial series. I think they would be very pleased. Obviously, you've still got the midweek games to boot, which help a ton with your overall record, but still, as been mentioned, the tournament committee wants to see those in-conference wins, and if you're Missouri, I think you got to get to at least five to feel good about the NCAA tournament and a regional bid. Do they still have non-conference games left, Ben? They do not. They played their last. I, 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 oh, say, I okay. thought they were, I thought they were done. I could have been I wrong apologize. on that. No, you're good. They, they, they played their last one against, uh, I believe it was Southeast Missouri, right? On Tuesday night, yep. the yep. game they won. Like, 21 and 5. 21 and 5 or something. 21 and 6, yeah. Well, 21 and 5 in non-conference plays, is what yep. I'm saying. Oh, yep. yeah. I think the score of the game was like 21 to 5 or something. 21 to 6. He was yeah, right about that. Some, yeah. There's something ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, those non-conference games don't... I mean, you don't want to lose them, but they don't really matter in terms of what the, the selection right. committee is looking at come into the year. For what it's worth, the, the two... Most, sorry, I guess you'd say most notable sites, D1 Baseball, as well as... I'm blanking. What's the other name, Garrett? Baseball America. That's it. Both they do sort of a, in basketball style a towards the end of the year sort of a selection committee prediction bracketology type thing. And this week they both had Mizzou as a number two seed, which would mean they'd be on the road traveling. One of them had him headed to Atlanta and taking on Georgia Tech. The other one up 
to the Northwest and Oregon State. They wouldn't play those number one seeds in the first game. They would play a different team. But the, for what it's worth, right now they have Mizzou as a two seed. But obviously those projections can change a lot depending on what happens in the next couple weeks. Right. And, and you know, this this past weekend, a great sweep of South Carolina. First off, congrats to Steve Beezer and his coaching staff and all the players because that felt like one they had to sweep. I don't know about you guys, but whenever we wanted that, we ever we talked about Mizzou baseball a couple of weeks ago, we said they have to sweep that series. Right. That, I mean, that South Carolina, frankly, is not very good this year, and those are the ones you have to take advantage of, considering how strong most of the SEC is. Right. And, and you know, they won the first two, and people are like, "Oh, well, at least we won the series." And someone's like, "Listen, we Mizzou baseball has to sweep them. If they don't sweep them, they're not going to have a very good chance to get in the tournament." Like you said, Ben, they, the committee is actually putting a huge emphasis on you have to be at least five hundred in conference play. You know, I, I would say if, you know, for some reason Missouri goes four and five down the stretch and they lose their first game in the tournament, you know, I would like to say that the committee would make an exception because of how hard the SEC is, but you never know either. Especially considering Missouri currently sits at third in the SEC standings. Correct. To think about that, especially over their opponent tonight, Tennessee, it's a pretty big accomplishment so far in Steve Beezer's third year. Obviously, the theme of the first two years has been, okay, strong starts, great out of conference play, but just a lackluster performance in the SEC. Seems like they're finally getting to a point to where, obviously, they're not blowing anybody away in the SEC. They're still got swept by Arkansas, still struggling in weekend series. Big weekend last weekend, but these next three, these next three uh, opponents for Missouri are really going to be the benchmark for where this program's at in year number three well, under Coach in, in terms of seeding in the SEC tournament, in terms of buys and how all that works, you know, these last couple weekend series against Tennessee and Florida will play a big difference in terms of who finishes third, fourth, and fifth in the SEC East. The SEC West appears to be quite a bit stronger than the East this year, but there is a lot of co- cross-conference play compared to a sport like football where you only play a couple teams from the other side. All right, well, that'll just about do it for Mizzou Baseball Talk, but reminder, coming up at the top of the hour... Tiger first pitch presented by B&B Bagel gets you set for Mizzou in Tennessee at 5.30, the actual first pitch of the game tonight from Knoxville. But now we are going to switch our focus for the last segment of the day to the Kentucky Derby as that is going to be taking place late tomorrow afternoon from Louisville. And before we get to Garrett's game, Chase, I know you you put a couple wagers out there. <laughs> who who do we like this weekend in, in in the Derby? Well, my first horse that I bet on, it's win win win, and that's literally its name is win win win. And I believe the other one I bet it on was either it was, I, I don't think I, I I think I changed. It. I had it on Roadster and I took it off. I think the other one was like March to Victory or or something like. So you went with the win victory name thing. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. Gary, if you can pull up, the, if you pull up the names real quick, I can tell you exactly. I don't think I think I took off Roadster. Actually, I know I took off Roadster. I know one of them. I saw win, win, win. I was like, I smacked that immediately. Well, the big news was that the favorite in the Derby had to pull out due to a I don't know if you call it an injury or an illness for a horse, but it seems like the field's wide open. So maybe Chase will just win a few dollars. I don't know, Chase. Will, will you be back? Well, the, the big question is if Chase wins big this weekend. Will Chase be back on the show next week? <laughs> if if maximum security and win 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 this weekend, then then Chase will not be back on the show next week. Chase <laughs> will be enjoying something somewhere. All right, well there you go. I don't go. know where that's at, but we're gonna be enjoying something. I think only one of them can win technically, but if one of them wins, listen, Ben, I, I just I, I want to see one of them win. I've never picked the never picked the winner, right? Because I always try to play the odds a little bit, and but man, I just see win win win. Like he's got to win. You would like, think, right? Like, right? He has to win. All right. Well, we'll end our 
talk there because we really have no idea what we're talking about. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about horse racing. I don't, Same here. I don't think either of you two do either. But anyway, Garrett has prepared a game for us, as we mentioned earlier, where Chase and I are going to try to pick between whether a name is a Kentucky Derby past winner or a past Oscar winner. Yes, and yeah, that's something, like we said, none of the three of us know anything about horse racing, but the thing that's always stood out to me is the horses' names, right? They're they're different, they're outside of the box, they're unique, so I want to challenge you gentlemen to see if you can take a shot in the dark and well, how good your guessing game is. Did, did you just use a pun on what a possible horse's name would be? What'd I say? A shot in the dark. No, that was, that's... that's I really thought that's what you're going with. You had a long good pause. That's, that's good intuition, but... Um, long that's, pause there at the end. That's not the direction that we're taking this. So what I have prepared is I have five guesses for each of you um, with four tiebreakers prepared in case we get that far. Um, so I'm going to read the name. Ben's going to start us off. You're going to give me whether it is once again a name of a past winner in the Kentucky Derby or an Academy Award winning film. Any questions? Nope. All right, let's get started, Ben. Always dreaming. Horse or movie? Horse. That is correct. 2017, always dreaming won. Okay, I thought that name sounded familiar. 2017, all right. 2017 won the Kentucky Derby. All right, Chase, next one for you. Birdman. That's a horse, isn't it? No, no that was movie. the 2014 Academy Award winning film. That was the Michael Keaton movie, right? I, I honestly don't know. Pretty sure. It, I've it, never seen that movie, and that's shocking, Ben. Yeah, I know. I thought you'd beat me on the movie knowledge here. Moving on. Ben, undefeated. Horse name or movie? Horse, right? That is actually an Academy Award winning film. Yeah, I knew that one. 2011, it won an Academy Award. Over to Chase. Super saver. Movie or f- movie That's or gotta horse. be a horse, right? Nope. That was, oh, what? no, I take that back. Sorry, I, I read it wrong. Yes, that was the 2010 winner of the Kentucky Derby. I was about to say, I so surely would have heard was, of a movie called Super Saver. I was looking too far ahead. There's Super Trooper. Like that, that oh, now that's a great movie, no, let me was, tell you. That's exactly what I was trying to trip you up with, so Chase stays on top of it. Ben, sideways. Horse or movie? Movie? That was the 2004 Academy Award winning film, yes. So, Sideways. Ben gets another point there. All right, Chase. Animal Kingdom. Horse or movie? I feel like that's a horse that's won recently. Yeah, that that the 2011 champion of the yeah. Kentucky Derby. So, Chase ties things up two to two. Ben, 2010. Did the fighter win the Kentucky Derby or an Academy Award? Academy Award. That is correct. Oh, that's a great movie. It's got Mark Wahlberg in it. It is. It is. I tried to throw out a couple... At least softballs. Well, where are um, my softballs at? I haven't got any easy ones. It's coming. Um, Chase, over to you. Smarty Jones. Smarty Jones. See, I, re- I, I feel like reading a book when I was little was called Mrs. Jones or something like that. Or I don't know. I'm going to say horse. Yeah, that's correct. The 2004 winner of the Kentucky Derby. And Chase clutches up and ties it at three. Two, One more each for y'all. And then we'll go to tiebreakers and if needed. Ben, the last king of Scotland. Horse or movie? Horse? That is correct. The 2006 winner of the Kentucky Derby. That's the too last long of a movie king title. of Scotland. I, I thought it kind of sounded like a movie. I thought it was, was going to be a trip up, so that's why I went with horse. All right, Chase, here's your line. But it oh, can, here's your, here's your uh, softball. It could still be kind of tricky, though. Walk the line. That's... Uh, 
I'm going to say movie. Yeah, it is. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Got, is is that the Johnny Cash movie? It is. It is. So Chase comes back and ties it at four. We do head to tiebreakers. There's a horse called Walk the Line. I know that. That's why. I tried, I tried to throw yeah, you I thought off. it was a horse. All right. Ben, we're going. Every single one of those Academy Award winning films or horses was from the past two decades. We're going to go into a third decade now. Oh, God. From 1990 on. <laughs> really going to be guessing now. Challenge coming in the tiebreaker round. Ben, Sunday Silence. Horse. That is correct. The 1989 winner of the Kentucky Derby. Went to a fourth decade then. We did. You're right. Sheesh. Right on the fringe of a third. Um, Chase, if you don't come up here, Ben wins. Sudden death. Oh, no pressure. Thunder Gulch. That's a horse. That is correct. 1995 winner. Thunder Gulch. There's a movie called Thunderstruck with Kevin Durant. That's true. Not a very good movie. Ben with the chance here. We're going back to the 21st century. A fantastic woman. Wait. Ooh. Movie? That is correct. The 2017 Academy Award winner. Fantastic So Ben woman. takes a 6-5 to five lead. Chase, this is for all the marbles. If you tie it, we walk away with a draw because I am out of tiebreakers. <laughs> but if you miss it, then Ben wins. Icarus. Film or horse? To survive. Film. That is correct. So we have a draw, six to six. Dude, we got six out of seven of those right a somehow. war of attrition. I am extremely impressed with your shot in the dark. Our, 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 gu- our guessing game was quite good today. I, I can tell say. you that. When it we, was, when we did, really when we did that college like player name thing, like that was all acknowledged. This was just straight guessing. I don't know any of that. Like, yeah, no clue. I, I, I knew like two, maybe. If, well, know. if I hadn't got Walk the Line right, that Johnny Cash movie, I mm-hmm. think my grandma would have been very, very upset about it. Yep, but that, you got that, and that's what sent it to extra frames. So I do respect that you, you, you didn't bring out like 1970s, because that would have been even more. Because then it would have been even that more. That would have just been a total yeah. crapshoot. Well, I think it already was, but, well, it's a tie. <laughs> and whatever. And whatever. We move on. Enjoy the Kentucky Derby this weekend, folks. Enjoy. Maybe Chase will win a lot of money. Hit him up if he does. No, no, th- don't do that. No. We'll tweet out his phone number after the show. No, I don't have a phone. <laughs> and the wheels are off. <laughs> well, that'll just about do it for the preferred walk-ons today. Reminder, Tiger first pitch coming up in just about 10 minutes, presented by B&B Bagel, Mizzou and Tennessee at 530 from Knoxville. This has been the preferred walk-ons. We'll see you for the semester finale next week at this time. Second annual Preferred Walk-On Awards coming up, by the way.